from Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is The Bryant Land Show, hosted by proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time to uh, make the downloads. Hopefully you are enjoying the podcast and we're keeping you guys and gals company with everything that's going on with this corona BS and all this uh, stuff going on, a lot of quarantine, uh, stuff being shut down. So hopefully our podcast is a an escape from all of the uh, day-to-day shenanigans that's going on surrounding that. For today's show, we got a couple things that I want to knock down. We got a guest, uh, Crystal Egley. Uh, Crystal is a young lady that I was interested in talking to. Um, Jonathan Wilkins from uh, Black Duck Revival kind of put me on to her and uh, the things that she's doing out here in the outdoor community. So she is the guest today, Crystal Egley. And then I got two things that I want to cover before I get to the guest, which is kind of... uh, quarantine related usually as hunters we kind of can insulate ourselves away from a lot of the ills of the world you know we get into hunting or we go out into the woods just to kind of get away from uh, all the foolishness with this thing so you know as trying to make an escape and trying to uh, get away what I've found is some states are now closing their borders, especially the out-of-state hunters. I know I read an article about Nebraska is basically closing its borders uh, to out-of-state hunters during a turkey season. Texas is not letting people in uh, if you're crossing the border from Louisiana or if you're flying from certain cities, Atlanta being one of them. You have to quarantine for 14 days uh, in Texas. Here in Georgia, we just got a uh, shelter-in-place order today as uh, I'm recording this uh, open for the podcast that uh, shelter-in-place order just dropped. So a lot of things that are going on, kind of trying to uh, tamper or uh, should I say uh, curtail um, the travel and stuff, and especially for, you know, us hunters during turkey season, you know, you got multiple states that we want to hunt. I know a couple of guys who are able to get out, uh, able to go down to Florida and was very successful in their Osceola turkey hunts. Um, my Texas uh, turkey hunt uh, is definitely on life support, probably uh, going to not happen And then I know a couple of your uh, favorite TV or uh, social media high-profile turkey hunters have had to kind of shut down their season, at least as far as, like, trips out of state. So, uh, you know, we are definitely, the hunting community is being affected uh, by this virus and everything that comes with it. So, but uh, the thing I can do is urge you guys and gals just to... uh, Stay positive, you know, just try to keep a a positive attitude, stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, all the stuff that you've heard 50, 11 other million people tell you to do, and then hopefully we can get through this thing. Now, one thing I found myself doing in 
these days and times of uh, the quarantine life, not really into watching a lot of old sports or replay sports. I have watched a little bit of the uh, replays on the WrestleManias that have uh, been going on on ESPN on Sundays. But, I mean, I have the WWE Network, so I can watch that stuff anytime I get ready. Uh, the one thing that I have found myself binge-watching a lot of is the uh, my outdoor TV? You know, I I am a, call, a, a a cord cutter. You know, I got rid of my cables, so you know I just basically do streaming services. You know, stream the stuff that I want. I got my sports, which is what I need when there is sports going on. Uh, a couple other channels through uh, my AT and T streaming service. But as far as like hardcore Comcast, Dish, any of that uh, foolishness, I cut it off. So. In order to get my fix on my uh, outdoor shows, um, I've been watching, you know, different shows on that My Outdoor TV app, whether it's, um, you know, Bone Collector stuff, the uh, Matthews uh, DIY, the, the Dominant Bucks um, series, a couple other deer hunting shows I've been watching on that app. I mean, I've really been burning it up, and this is not a plug or a shill you know, for that app or anything like that. But I am curious as to what you guys are watching. Are you just watching regular TV um, as uh, us as hunters? Are you watching more hunting shows now? Are you watching uh, more hunting shows on YouTube, things of that nature? Because I know there's a large part of the community, especially in on these forums and stuff, you guys... You know, you, you guys go in on the TV hunter uh, and how the media and TV hunters are ruining the sport and the, the TV hunter is, you know, making it hard and all this other stuff. You guys pretty much, you know, rag on the TV hunters. But now with not a whole lot going on, not a whole lot on TV, hunting opportunities dwindling just a little bit, like I said before, what are you doing to uh, keep yourself going uh, as far as like with your TV watching and your entertainment? Uh, hit me up. Let me know what you guys are watching. I am very curious to uh, know that. Like I said, so uh, hit me up on the uh, Instagram or the Twitter at um, official Brian Land on Instagram, Brian Land on Facebook. Man, let me know. Uh, what you guys are watching and or checking out. Like I said before, Crystal Egley is my guest today. Uh, she attended the Black Duck Revival uh, Summit down there in Brinkley, Arkansas. That was put on by Jonathan Wilkins. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, we talk about that. We talk about a little bit of her hunting or fishing, representation in the outdoor community. A lot of good things that Crystal and I get into. So uh, you guys uh, kick back. I'm going to fall back here and let you guys listen in to my conversation with Crystal Egley here on the Bryantland Show. Bryantland. All right. I was able to score a very unique guest this week for the podcast. This is a young lady that was introduced uh, to from my buddy Jonathan Wilkins down there in Arkansas, Black Duck Revival. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Crystal Egley to the Bryantland Show. Crystal, how's it going? 
It's going great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, you are welcome. You are someone who has been on my radar. I was smartened up that you are a person that I should be talking to. So I'm excited to have you on and just doing a little bit of research and a little bit of talking that we uh, done before we got started. Uh, you got a lot of things going on here that I want to dig down into. So uh, let's get started. Thing number one, you participated in the uh, Black Duck Revival Summit uh, that took yeah. place uh, back in January, I was supposed to come. I couldn't get things situated for work to Aww. get uh, get down there. I know because I, you know, talking to Jonathan, I've had him on the show a couple of times, and I wanted to get down there and check it out. But from someone firsthand who's been down there, I mean, was there for that event. How was it, and what was the uh, the premise of that event? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You missed something pretty amazing in my opinion. I didn't know uh, anybody going into that, which is really weird. Uh, should I just start from the beginning? Yeah, no, because it was, <laughs> I mean, it, it really was like when you think about it, just, and I was, I read your post and your post pretty much summed it right up uh, on Instagram. I mean, it was basically a group of people yeah. that had never met each other. Like, know very little about each other. Two of the people I've had on my podcast, and that was the other reason why I was looking forward to going, and it was just like, one guy was just like, hey, why don't y'all come down here? I got this space. (laughs) Um, Let's meet up. Let's, you know, kind of like a think tank, you know, just have some ideas. And Oh, by the way, we can go duck hunting. I mean, how can you go wrong with that, right? Yeah, so I have never done anything like that before, but one of the things I was trying to do on my Instagram was try to seek out other hunters and anglers of color or people who just don't fit the regular stereotypes of hunters and anglers and then try to use my platform to say like, hey, we're out here, we're doing this. Um, I hear so often people are, are saying like, oh, you know, black people don't go outside or, you know, people in the LGBTQ community don't don't like to hunt or, you know, things like that. And so, or people with disabilities, for example, you know, it's, it's impossible for them to do X, Y, and Z. And so I just started using my platform to kind of share stories of, from myself that I'm actually doing this stuff. I'm here and then trying to seek out other people who, who would like to say the same thing. And that's where I ran across Jonathan who is from the Black Duck Revival. And we just started messaging and talking to each other about that, uh, you know, that train of thought, that those those messages. And it turns out we were on the exact same page, which I thought was pretty cool that somebody's people are already out there like talking about this. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know? And, you know, the funny thing about it is because when I started you know, doing the podcast, and even when I started, you know, making my videos and doing stuff um, with the uh, with Bryantland, I will admit, you know, ignorantly, I thought like, okay, you know, this is going to be groundbreaking. And then when yeah, I started, exactly. you know, I was just like, okay, like I'm, I'm getting ready to, you know, shake up the world, like. And then yep. I started doing research, and I'm like, holy shit! Like, there's a lot of people that are out there like on social media like a lot of us that are already out there on social media strong social media presence strong following 
and that were out there doing it and making a mark in the industry. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I I know they're making their marks and they're having, you know, a strong following and making a presence, but there's also got to be a other like a bunch of other people like me who are like, I didn't know this existed. So how can I bring yeah. this to light? So it's funny when you say like, okay, well, you know, people are still like, oh, well, black people don't hunt, black people don't go outside, da 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 da. I guess because I've been doing this for a while now, I almost forget that that's still like the thought process sometimes. Yeah, coming into it as a newbie who is different from like the mainstream, um, it's it's easy to think like, oh, because we don't see ourselves in magazines or in hunting videos or, you know, as the hunting brand influencers or something that we're not here. And that's just it turns out that that's not even remotely true. Like, like you're saying, like the, the more I started talking about it, the more I found people were already there. I feel like we're, um, more individualized than the mainstream like groups, except then I, I thought that, and then I found black American outdoorsmen, right. you know, and I'm like, whoa, there's a huge group, right. <laughs> like, you or know, like so, power circle outdoors, like groups like yeah. that, like people, I call them, they're almost like in the terms of, uh, like music, they're like super groups. Like they're bringing like all right. these resources and all these people together and building and putting out content. And it's truly amazing. Right. And then you look at a, so you look at a um, page like black American outdoorsmen and you're like, Oh, look at all these, you know, black and brown folks doing this stuff. And then you think like, Oh, because of what I'm seeing, this group is for black and brown folks. But how come nobody thinks that when we see a group that's predominantly white? No one says out loud that group is for white people or, you know, whatever that the majority is. Right. Um, that is the mainstream. Nobody says that one out loud, but everyone can say like, oh, that is for disabled hunters. Um, that is for black people, you know. And so I, I I'm starting to have all these um, ideas about this and these notions and Instagram was just a way to kind of organize my thoughts about it. And that's how Jonathan and I met is then we started talking about that every once in a while. And then he hit me up and was like, Hey, we have got the black duck revival. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> and he said he was looking for looking around for people who were having these same conversations um, kind of individually or just starting to get out there or had established, uh, you know, mechanisms like your podcast and, you know, getting bigger and bigger people from all those tiers together to go on a hunt and talk about it face to face and see what we're talking about around the country and if we can help each other out so i don't know why but i said yes <laughs> <laughs> i said yes and so i just randomly agreed to fly to arkansas and go duck hunting with a bunch of people i'd literally never met and uh it was just an instant yes it was an instant yes and then I thought about it the next day, and I was like, "This is this is a little strange. <laughs> what am I doing? Have you ever duck hunted before? Like, did you have to get? Like, did you have hunted. to go out and get everything? Like, no, that's. I'll tell you all about that fiasco in a second. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the next the next day, I I was talking to my husband, and I was like, I was like, hey, so a bunch of black people on Instagram want like invited me to go to Arkansas to go duck hunting. I've never met anyone, but 
do you think that's a bad idea? And he was like, no, why would it be a bad idea to go and talk with all these people you have so much in common with and do something you all really love doing together? And I was just like, I was like, who says that? (laughs) (laughs) Who's just like, yeah, yeah, go, honey. (laughs) And he was super cool. Like, he was so awesome. And he was like, do this. This is what you are designed to do. You love meeting new people. You love new activities. You love learning. And you love really strange adventures. So I was just like, all right, that's it, I guess. (laughs) Right. Definitely, definitely something that, that will appeal uh to you if you're the adventurous type yeah yeah so it was strange but it 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 turned out it was one of the best best trips i've ever taken so yeah i did not know what to pack it was a total newbie experience for me which is funny because now i'm a hunting mentor even though i only started hunting a few years ago myself and so some of the things i kind of start quietly rolling my eyes out like, Oh, how did you not know this? I was back in that. I was back in that seat on this duck hunt. I was like, I got this. They told me to bring waders. I brought my waders. So what I did was I had brought fly fishing waders. I did not bring swamp waders. <laughs> not, <laughs> so, not altogether wrong, but were they like so, bright colors? Like No, but the problem was they weren't um, insulated and right. they aren't waterproof technically. Like the feet, my feet, they had neoprene uh, feet that fit into my felt-bottomed uh, fly fishing boots. Oh, okay. So yep, yep. in the really, really, really cold water, my feet, they didn't necessarily get wet, but they had cold. The neoprene got really cold. And so my feet were ice blocks, like oh, absolute yeah. ice blocks. Yep. So we ended up going to Walmart and I I, I ended up buying um, the cheapest extra camo pants and the cheapest uh, like rain boots I could find that were like five sizes too big. So my, my <laughs> fly fishing waders would fit into them. <laughs> That's all right. When I bought my first pair, my first pair of waders, they were not breathable, nor were they insulated. So I I have come a long way myself. They are now breathable and insulated. And oh my gosh, man, they're the best, uh, best uh, waders that I that I got um, for doing it. So much more comfortable. You can stay out there a lot longer, be a lot more comfortable. So. So you you started out with fly fishing waders. Um, yep. I'm assuming you you knew not to really mess with calls the first time, or did you go out and buy like a couple of calls? No, I was told we uh, there would be professional callers there, <laughs> uh, people who've been doing it more than five seconds. So I I I didn't want to mess up the hunt for other people, which I would have. Uh, it's been about a year since I started trying turkey calls, and I just barely stopped spitting the diaphragm out of my mouth. <laughs> so it turns out I had spent three months trying the turkey call upside down. Oh, so. That's the level of calling for for game calling. We all got to crawl. Hey, you got to crawl before you walk. That's so, I mean, it took me a while to get the the diaphragm called out. I am by no means an expert. I always tell people I am by no means an expert. As a matter of fact, I am probably at the same level when it comes to number of years of doing this as you. So I I feel your pain. Like I I started like about – uh, I think going on, this is probably 20, it's like four or five years ago. So, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I'm right there. I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel your pain. Yeah, it's it's it was interesting being like total noob here at the at the Black Duck Revival, but also being able to have the higher level discussions that we were having, you know, in the trucks and um, over dinner. And oh, my gosh, I didn't even tell you. Did anyone tell you that I ate a raccoon? okay no so i no one mentioned the raccoon eating no well i know jonathan traps on because he was trapping some (laughs) when i was down there uh because i eventually i did uh go down well i went down there before the event um and i hunted with him and uh mr griffin and so we had a good time went out there and um I know he traps raccoons. We, I have had a ongoing thing. Just real quick, I have had a ongoing thing with raccoons since last year <laughs> on this podcast because I've had going on at least I want to say three. I feel like it's more. I think like I think it's close to four or five different people that have been on here and has sworn that they can make coon taste like pulled pork. Um, it's the greatest thing ever. All you need is some sweet potatoes. Like, was one I, of them Jonathan? Yes, because um, he's not lying. He's not lying. <laughs> I I haven't. I just I haven't been able to be able to do it. So you tried it. Okay. So yeah. So we got there on the first day. I think it was the first day, and something was cooking, and he had to go back to the airport to pick up somebody else. And he was like, "Hey, Brandon, Crystal, can you just like." you know, pull the raccoon meat off of the, the like the rack and like, you know, turn the oven down and then like, well, I'm like the what meat? I'm sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Can can we, can we go back a second to the part where you said that's a raccoon in the oven? (laughs) And so I was like super grossed out. Right. And I was just like, who eats raccoon? Like that's so country, blah, blah, blah. And so he was like, I, you know, it seems like he expected that reaction like he'd seen it before you know (laughs) and so i had all this like raccoon bias i was like that's nasty i don't want to eat a trash panda like you know i just was so grossed out i have a trash panda that's (laughs) a new one i like that one actually (laughs) so so then he he came back and he was um making this like glaze and like a, a reduction glaze and all this stuff and i actually had this picture of me like making this like super grossed out face with my fork close to my mouth and I took a bite and you know what it tasted like? It just tasted like meat. That's it. But in my head, I had all this like bias because I had just envisioned it being like, like picking out of a dumpster, you know, and eating a <laughs> granola bar wrapper. Right. And so I was like, where did you get this? And he said he got it in the national forest or somewhere. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it was eating berries. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it just seems Among so nasty. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> It's better than a dumpster, <laughs> but I had this big bias and it turns out it was so good. The next day I made it into a sandwich and I was just like, you know, I didn't have to eat those leftovers and it was the best sandwich ever. It's so good. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, I don't, I, I'm going to add you to the total of people that they're swearing. Raccoon. The, yeah. That the, that, you know, I don't know what I'm missing, and I'm missing out, and, and oh, I can cook that thing up and make it good, and all this, that, yeah. and the other. I, I'm I'm still, I'm not buying it. I personally, you know, I, I don't like them. 
Um, they get into my feeders. They destroy stuff. You know, they eat a lot of the feed that I have set aside for my deer. Um, so I am not so a the fan of raccoons. Ultimate a, vengeance would be to eat one, or to trap them and give them to somebody who can eat them. Which there are a couple <laughs> of people down where my property is that have said that if I trap a couple, they would gladly take them off of my hands. So I'm just like, okay, um, sure. It's like you know, I can cook it up for you. Nope. You can have it lock, stock, and barrel. One person was like, if you trap them and clean them, um, I'll take them. Like, uh, I'll trap them, and then you can have them. You, whatever you do with after that um, is totally on you. So, yeah, I, I still haven't come around the mountain on the uh, raccoon deal, but um, good. I'm Look at you. Getting out there. I, you're getting your, your trash yeah. panda. You got a trash panda sandwich. You are, you, you are riding high. Um, I so. actually use that story now in my hunter education classes when I teach um, <laughs> to talk about small game and cooking Yeah, because there's so many people who rely on meat and even trash pandas for food. And, but yet we have this like super big bias against them um, and eating them and stuff like that. But there's so many people that that's just how they survive and live. And then there's some people who do eat it by choice, not as many, but I do suspect that people who cook raccoons know their, their audience. And so they make extra sure to make it super, super good. So they can just say, I told you so. Uh, I like how you phrase that. They know their audience. So <laughs> let, let's take a couple of steps back. So before you descended down on the Black Duck Revival in Brinkley, Arkansas. You had done some hunting. Um, I saw mm-hmm. where you killed a turkey. I saw where you were out with some sandhill cranes, fishing. How did you get started in the outdoors? Like, what drew you to the outdoors? What was your influence? Well, I grew up in rural Vermont, so uh, my house that I grew up in is literally in the middle of a forest. Uh, you can't see your neighbors. It's just you look out any window and it's trees. You can't even see a road besides our driveway what, out any of the windows. What town in Vermont? I have been to Vermont. What town? <laughs> I grew up in East Montpelier, which when people ask me where that is, I say, you know where Montpelier is? And they right. say yes. And I say, it's just east of there. <laughs> okay. You're right. Because Mon- Montpelier <laughs> is the capital, correct? Yes, it and is. Is that where the University of Vermont is? So that's actually in Burlington. Burlington, which is about that's forty right. miles north or forty minutes north. We we judge distance by time by time it takes to travel there. So sure. I should say it's about forty minutes away. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so, where I've been. I've been to Burlington, Vermont. I was there for work, and it was so cold. <laughs> everything was frozen and so you know mm-hmm. i work in sports television so a lot of times i'm doing a lot of my work in a tv truck and this was the first mm-hmm. time i had ever been anywhere where i saw people had blow torches to melt the ice from around the <laughs> compartments um so they can open to get the equipment out not to mention in order to chalk and stake the truck they had to use blow torches because as soon as they put the stakes down they were frozen so they couldn't move them to where they needed to be burlington vermont i will never forget it yep. as long as i live i also tongue like in an cheek, description in in tongue in cheek and i and i know um i may get some flack for this i may not but either way i don't care um, 
I did what because I was working on college hockey. That's why we were up there. We were mm-hmm. going to the University of Vermont. They have a great go Wildcats. Uh, exactly, great uh, <laughs> hockey team. Um, that barn that they play in is great for college hockey. I always tell people, you know, there's that don't really understand or know anything about college hockey. I say, think SEC football on steroids. That is what college <laughs> hockey is in the Northeast. So anyway, yes, I did. I went up there. I froze. I also did a what I called at the time a brother count, and I mm. counted four, not including myself. Yeah. So when I do that, I count two, which are literally my two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So yeah, although that's... lately it started to get more diverse, I don't know when. When did you go? Oh my God, this was two thousand eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like so two thousand seven, two thousand eight. There's still not a lot of color in Vermont, but um, something that happened was the Lost Boys of Sudan. Um, some of the refugees from that settled in Burlington. And then when they started having kids, uh, now that they're, you know, in their 20s, late 20s, maybe, I think, um, that generation, uh, they started having kids. So now there's actually starting to be like a countable population. <laughs> and then um, another thing that happened in actually the central Vermont near where I'm from is a lot of people started adopting kids of color. So when my older brother and I went to high school, it was literally just us. And like a couple years above us, there was um, a girl who's black. And then four years below us, there's twins who were black. Um, I think we're all adopted. And then my little brother's 13 years younger and nine kids of color rode his school bus. Oh, wow. It was actually very impressive. So a, a little bit's changed lately, So, but it's still like 0.5% <laughs> minority <laughs> instead of 0.1%. That, that's, that is Vermont in a nutshell. Side note, make sure you fill out your census form. All that stuff right. is important. Exactly. There's your PSA message for the day. And I did also, mine. It was I, easy. I, I have yet to do mine i'm going to knock it out this afternoon when i finish recording last thing on vermont as well the syrup really really good so okay yes <laughs> can we do a separate recording about that because i could talk about that for an hour we'll come but... back we'll come back to the syrup so you grew up in yeah. vermont okay yeah and so then... that's the whole point of that, right, right? <laughs> so i grew up being like super outdoorsy um i've been fishing since I was really, really little. There's adorable baby photos of me fishing on my Instagram. I was such a cute little kid. Um, so, um, <laughs> Is, yeah, it's, was that it was with just your dad. Was that with your, with your yeah, dad or? So- Funny story about my dad and fishing is my dad is a vegetarian and he doesn't believe in like animal cruelty or anything like that, but he taught me how to fish and he fed us steaks and all that stuff. Right. And so growing up, I was like, oh yeah, my dad's uh, really into fishing, but um, he, he doesn't like fishing himself. Right. So he would tell me that he could not help me bait my hook or take a fish off because he didn't have a fishing license. Right. That (laughs) turns out, spoiler alert, that's not true. Okay. But I did not know that until a couple of years ago. So my whole life I grew up 
thinking that my dad wasn't helping me because he didn't have a fishing license. And he would be like, the game warden's going to come and arrest me if I help you. So you have to do it yourself. <laughs> so I learned how to do all the, the, the maintenance on my fishing rod. I learned how to tie hooks on bobbers, sinkers, all that stuff. He would verbally direct me, but he would make me do it myself. Uh, if I caught a huge monster fish with sharp teeth, I had to figure out how to get that fish off myself, even if I was seven. Right. Wow. So it turns out a few, few, like literally three years ago, I was telling a game warden this story and they were like, yeah, that's not, a real thing like he totally could have helped a small child are you kidding and I was like what I literally called my dad right there and called him out and he was like well of course like I don't believe that uh, that fishing is right and and a good thing but I thought you might like it <laughs> and so I you know that, that is, is hilarious. an amazing thing right like I thought you might like it like for him to go out, spend all that money on fishing gear for me, fishing rods for me. He once jumped in the lake um, in the middle of a reservoir when I dropped my rod off the side of a boat and he dove down like 15 feet to go get it off the bottom of a lake. But he doesn't believe in fishing, but he did all of that for me because he thought I might like it. And that is always going to stay with me. And I'm like, whatever my daughter wants to do outdoors, I, I will enable her to do that. And in hopes that she might like it. I will do whatever it is that she wants to do because my dad taught me that, you know? Daddy's girls, man. We will go through <laughs> hell. We will go through hell in a handbasket for for our little girls. So that, that yep. is case in point proven mm -hmm. right there. So you you basically grew up fishing, uh, loved fishing, thanks to your father. So when was the first time you, you started hunting or when did you decide like, okay, hey, hunting is something that I want to do as well? Uh, so I never, ever, ever thought I would be a hunter because I am terrified of firearms. Um, my dad did raise me to be absolutely terrified of firearms. And I don't disagree with that, even though now I hunt with firearms. Still terrified, but I will get to that in a second. But yeah, I just never thought that would be something I could 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 do because you need a gun and it never occurred to me to think out of the box to like bow hunting or anything like that i just thought hunting equals guns equals dying <laughs> that's, that's an interesting that. way to equate it <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so i had this like really big fear that i was either gonna get shot or accidentally shoot someone else and so I had a couple of co-workers well actually like almost all of my co-workers had and so one by one they started helping me out um, once I realized that hunting was a way I would love to get food right so they were all bringing game meat into the office they were having us over for game meat dinners we'd eat pronghorn we'd eat venison we'd eat moose i ate a moose for the first time um you know all this stuff and i was just like i just realized that when they when i was eating game meat i cared so much more about it and i would like take pauses and you know thank the meat for its life and you know what it's giving to me and i would be like where did this come from and then someone would like pass the bacon from from like you know a grocery store and i'd be like without even thinking about it right <laughs> so what happened was I started thinking about this difference in how I thought about my meat and valued my meat 
And it was such a difference. Like I still, like still even now, I don't care about store-bought meat at all. Like I'll just eat a hot dog and be like, yummy. Um, but if you put a uh, venison steak in front of me, I'm like, hello, I hope you had a really nice life. <laughs> oh, <wow>. And <laughs> like, like, I just, thank you so much for this gift. <laughs> you will be one with me. Like, you know. <laughs> wow. You, you're, you're really spiritual about the, uh, about the food here, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> Like, it's just, there's such a difference. And I was like, why? And then, you know, people were like, well, why don't you start hunting? And I was like, well, I would be very sad. And they said, well, I'm sad. Like, ever, like if you're not feeling something, you're probably a serial killer or like, <laughs> you know. Wow. Were, and so <laughs> then I started realizing that people like actually feel something when they hunt. It's not just shoot and high five. It's like shoot moment of anything like little literally like so many people told me that they felt grateful that was like the gratitude was the overwhelming response so that's still a pause like you know right there's this pause like i took this life i'm responsible it doesn't have to be like crying and prayer or anything like that but there's like an emotional response of some sort that almost everybody registers and so i was like i would really like to feel that way about getting my food and so I decided to address my fear of firearms, worked slowly, slowly, slowly through that. I am still afraid of firearms, but um, the way I try to rephrase frame it is saying instead of an ac- one more accident happening because of me or to me, that there's going to be one less accident because of my extreme hypervigilance. Um, so... It's just I'm I'm trying to be okay with the hypervigilance and be okay with the fear because I know that I am now comfortable with telling people like, hey, look, muzzle control. Like, let's like, is your firearm unloaded? And they're like, yeah, I already checked. I'm like, can you check again and know that people will actually respect that request? Right. And once I started realizing that people actually are are okay with me speaking up and saying something like like that then I became much more confident in feeling in control of any situation that has firearms in it. So, and then I just kind of lean into it and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be the safety nerd here. Okay. Everyone cool with that. And they're all like, yeah, we, you know what, we should actually think about that more. So you just kind of, instead of being afraid, you kind of embraced it and in embracing it, it helps you to, to pass it down to others, which is always, you know, a good thing. Anytime that we can bring, you know, more hunters into the outdoors um, and get more people, especially uh, young kids, uh, women, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, folks with disabilities. Anytime we can bring someone new into the sport, right. that's always a good thing. So what? Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, like, you know, people think that because – you know, I'm liberal, I'm a millennial, I am for gun control, that I must not be for hunting or for firearm use. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, I love hunting. Like, I hunt with firearms. I now have a gun in my house, but the bolt uh, for the bolt action rifle is in my office at work. Yeah. See, you, you know, so you, like, you basically <laughs> just describe the, the, 
stereotypical enemy of all hunters on mm-hmm. any public forum in America <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. Once I started talking more about being different, I realized that, and I actually tried to join the more mainstream hunting pages, and they're like really aggressive towards anybody who's who's different. For example, there's a hunting group that I won't name on Facebook that, um, you know, if they're always blaming liberals from California, right? And I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm like, I'm not your problem. I'm your solution. Like, I am the answer. Like, if you just stop attacking me, I will let you know that I like hunting, right? So there was all this, like, aggression towards people who think differently or look differently or anything like that. So I was just, like, super uncomfortable posting anything in there because they literally go through your profile and they'll tear you apart and be like, oh, you voted for Obama, so you must hate whatever, you know? And I'm like, what? Not even close. So I just created my own Facebook group. And that group is called Hunters Like You. And that's for anybody, anybody at all who either just doesn't feel comfortable joining one of the mainstream hunting groups for any reason, or just somebody who is from one of those groups who's just sick of reading all of that you know, like, you know, calling it for what it is. It's BS. It's not true. Right. Everybody can hunt. Anybody can hunt regardless of what you look like, what you think like, what you voted for, you know, like the value is food and like getting a food source and going on an adventure. It has nothing to do with, you know, like Who you whether you want a wall build. You know? like, yeah, no, I it doesn't have any. Like, I can't understand how people connect those. Like, I don't not- I don't understand the connection either because there are groups that I go in and I'm just like, I just wanted to see pictures of deer, hogs, and turkeys. And then right. it turns into, like, this uh, liberal beatdown or political, right. like, mumbo-jumbo. And I'm like, I just came here to see big deer, hogs, and turkeys. Like, just, right. why like, can't, like, can we, XYZ, yeah, like, can we, why? can we talk about that and move past all that other bullshit, like you said? But one thing I will say, and I I have found this in, in the time that, um, that I've been around is that sometimes, you know, the hunting or talking about hunting can break down like a lot of walls. Like, oh, yeah, you just you know, strike up a conversation with people that you would never strike up a conversation with or people will talk to you or ask you questions, you know, Mm -hmm. that you never would Mm -hmm. think that you, you know, would engage with, but it's all because we're all about the same thing and that's getting out and enjoying the outdoors and hunting. So, yeah, it's, it's I've had so many of those experiences where I stereotyped some hunters maybe rightfully so, but maybe not. I don't know. But I was out with them and I was nervous. I was like, maybe they won't like me because of the color of my skin or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I learned very quickly when you're on a hunt, the last thing you talk about on a hunt is politics and stuff. You're either so tired from waking up at 3.30 in the morning or like just so exhausted from like hiking seven miles in the backcountry or whatever it is, or you're just trying to figure out what you want to eat for lunch the next day that doesn't have mayonnaise on it. Like you don't have time to disagree about things because you're so busy 
hunting. That, that was I, uh, that was very specific. <laughs> what you uh, don't want me. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole thing with me. I refuse to make sandwiches with mayo because I think it's going to go bad in like three hours till I eat my sandwich. So, <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. So, but yeah. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say a wrap-up sentence. Just like, you know, people aren't talking about that stuff on hunts. You're just talking about, or you're not talking because <laughs> you're right. trying to be quiet. You're trying, yeah, depending <laughs> on what hunt you're on, you're right. That, which is another reason why that uh, the duck hunt was really good to bring people together because anytime you go yeah. on a duck hunt or a goose hunt, it's usually a great time because it's more sociable. You're kind of talking yeah. and stuff. The birds come in. You call them in. And then you pop out and then you you shoot them and then you go back to like, so, hey, what did you, blah, 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 you know, so it's yeah. a little, <laughs> little bit more sociable. Yeah. So you've killed, let's see, if I, if my research hasn't failed me, you've knocked down plenty of fish, caught a lot of fish, obviously, uh, <laughs> turkey and a sandhill crane, correct? No, that was not a hunt, actually. I was just going to film those. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. The turkey hunt uh, no as well, or? So I did go turkey hunting. I have a turkey fan mounted on my kitchen wall nice. um, from my first turkey hunt. That hunt took three and a half hours, and I thought that was normal. <laughs> and so i went around and people were like how long did it take you and i was like three and a half hours and they're like on which day i was like the first day it's not that hard and there's people who are like i've been turkey hunting for 10 years and i've never got i was like what i should stop talking about this the old so, beginner's yeah. luck yeah <laughs> yeah so that one was lucky um i shot uh a deer um and i went on an elk hunt this year I've been oh I've been on pheasant hunts as well, um, but I'm really bad at pheasant hunting. Uh, it turns out because I'm so busy when they say bird uh, that I am checking where everyone is, checking where the dog is, making sure everyone's in a safe zone of out of the zone of fire, and then I pull up my my shotgun and they're going and we're walking and it's like, it's like by yeah. the time I get my my rifle up I'm just like. But, oh, yeah, by, done, the, by the time you go through that checklist in your head, somebody's already shot that bird and it's like exactly. they're on to the next one. But no, yeah. I, I Which is why that. goose hunting is better. Goose and duck hunting is better because you're not really checking around for moving people. Right. Because you're, you're, everybody's you're pointing shooting, in the air. Yep. Yeah. At a 45 degree angle in the air. So that was much easier and I was able to get a lot more shots off. Uh, so what would be your, your favorite? Uh, turkey hunting, probably. I really like turkey hunting. Uh, there's just a lot of strategy involved in that because my deer hunt, I kind of just sat in one spot in a ground blind in the eastern plains of Colorado and kind of waited for it to walk by on a known path. So that wasn't really that much of like a, like a mental challenge, mm -hmm. but the turkey hunts I've been on um, have been mental challenges with like strategizing. Um, uh, it's less known of their path, so um, it was it was very very interesting um, to go on that. Now, or that was I should say. In Colorado, you guys got Miriams, right? We have Miriams and Rio Grande. So okay. Miriams live in the mountains, and Rio Grandes are on the plains. 
and I couldn't tell you right now except the tails that the, the fans have, what the differences are. But right. um, yeah, we have those two different species. Yeah, no, the fan the the fans are how you you tell them apart. I um my first turkey that I killed was a Miriam. I killed it with a bow. Um, and then I shot an Eastern last year. So no, I, I enjoy turkey hunting too. Um, I enjoy a little bit more the Miriams and the uh, Rios because they're a little more responsive to the calls. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Eastern turkeys, they sometimes they gobble and then they hit the ground and then they're quiet the rest of the time. So that yeah. can make it, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit challenging. But uh, the one other thing that I wanted to ask you about that I thought was also interesting because of my background in sports television um, and being a director, you did some film work before you moved to uh, Colorado. What was that like yeah. for you? <laughs> well, I, like so many people do, moved out to Los Angeles to pursue a career in film um, as an editor. And I uh, had dreams of changing the world with my editing, post-production work, and I ended up working on a bunch of reality shows, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some of which were interesting and some of which were um, didn't even make it to air. So <laughs> I don't know, edited a couple features, but yeah, the reason we ended up moving to Colorado is because both my husband and I are super outdoorsy and they're just isn't a lot of opportunity to fish specifically and backpack in California right. um, where there's water. So you can go car camping very easily. You can go over one night if you can carry that much water, but to go for three or four days, you need somewhere that has running water you can filter, right? If you're in the back country. So right. the places were limited where we could go do that on the three day weekends. And so we're only going out like a couple times a year. And so we decided to, instead of going on a honeymoon, we decided to take our honeymoon fund and use it to move to Colorado. And now we go out all the time and it's amazing. And this is where I took up hunting and discovered it as a passion. There's no way I would have gotten into hunting in California. <laughs> yeah. And they've even gotten even more restrictive with their oh, yeah. gun laws and even with, um, with ammunition in, in California. But one thing that I do uh, like and I really appreciate about you is the fact that you made that move so you can participate in the outdoor lifestyle. I mean, that right there, I mean, it don't get any better than that. You're like, okay, look, our quality yeah. of life right now in California is this, and I want our quality of life to be better and to be that and then to make just to make that move yeah. for Colorado or make that move to Colorado um and that be one of the biggest reasons hats off to y'all that's that's pretty awesome yeah and we make a third of the money we made in California and we are a hundred times happier I I am happy the, <laughs> the cost of living in Colorado is a third less than it is in California right. too yeah so. And people are saying housing's expensive and traffic is bad. I'm like, y'all don't know where I came from. <laughs> you think this is bad? I could go 45 miles an hour on a highway. <laughs> yeah, no, I've spent time in L.A. Um, I've driven in L.A. against my uh, better judgment. Yeah, L.A. It, it, it's yeah. tough. It's a it's a tough place. But what? Um, I guess I would say we put like a 
a bow on this. You got your Facebook group doing some work with hunters and stuff out there in Colorado. You're mm-hmm. teaching your class. What what's the next thing for Crystal? Like what do, what's the <laughs> what's the thing that Crystal wants to try to get accomplished once they release us from this uh stupid COVID nineteen <laughs> foolishness. When we uh, when we get released, what's what, what's on the agenda? Well, one of the things I want to do really badly is go hunting by myself. So, uh, I want to do that and then, um, post some information about that and be more independent with it. Um, I've been kind of really reliant on other people to help provide gear and all that stuff. But I think I'm at the point where I can do stuff on my own. Like I'm pretty confident that I could field dress big game by myself and all that stuff. Um, so I want to do that. Um, I just really want to connect with more people on the gram, uh, (laughs) And just like, like find more of us, you know, and see how we can become louder and more visible because we're being tricked into thinking that people like us don't uh, recreate in the outdoors because we're not in the, you know, catalogs and we're not on the websites and we're not in the brochures and the, you know, posters. And I think we're being tricked out of expressing our values. So I just want to meet more people like you and Jonathan and Courtney and Brandon and all those people and just be like, yo, we're out here. Like, what what can we do together? You know? Right. Awesome. Awesome. We will. I know on my part, I'll continue to bring people like yourself onto the podcast so you can, you know, share your adventures and share your stories. But where can people find you? Are you solely on Instagram? Do you got Facebook? Like, are you all over the place? Like, where where <laughs> can people find more about uh, Crystal Egley? So the there's only two two places really. So Instagram, my handle is ready for it, Crystal Egley. That's spelled C R Y S T A L E G L I. One word, Crystal Egley. I appreciate That's my name. I appreciate right. your sense of humor. Made it made it pretty simple there. Uh, but on Facebook, I'm not really super active, like personally on Facebook, but the Facebook group Hunters Like You, um, if you just look that up, you'll you'll find us. You do have to answer a couple of questions because we want to make sure that we keep it a group of people who will be respectful, follow the rules. You know, again, it doesn't have to be like you don't have to be like a minority with a disability or anything you could be a straight white male republican but you do have to understand (laughs) what the group is for right right? so that's hunters like you and you can find us on facebook just by searching that awesome crystal i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come on the show uh Thank I didn't have you. anywhere else to go. <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. Right. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time to find me and have me on the show. Yeah. It's been awesome. Well, we will definitely have to do it again soon. Hopefully you'll get out yes. get out in time enough to do some turkey hunting and then uh we can circle back and see what else we got going on. That would be great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Y'all be safe over there, Crystal. Thanks. You too. All right, once again, I want to thank Crystal Egley for taking the time to come through on the Bryantland Show. I really enjoyed talking to that young lady. Make sure you check her out on her uh, social media outlets. Those will be listed in the uh, show notes uh, when you 
when this podcast drops. So, yeah, really enjoyed Crystal Egley. Like I said, make sure you check her out. Before I get ready to get out of here, just a couple things I want to drop on y'all. We got a Patreon. Patron. We are our own Patron. Uh, the Bryantland Show is on Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Bryantland, or you can go to our Instagram at official Bryantland and click on the link tree, and it'll take you right to it. Five bucks, man. That's all we're asking. If you can just make that donation, we certainly appreciate it. We got all kinds of bonus content, extra stuff for you guys. Uh, all we need is a paper nickel, man. So if you could do that, it would be greatly appreciated. We are also a Bass Pro Shop affiliate. That link is also on the link tree. So we've got a couple things going on here with the Bryant Land Show that we are happy to be a part of. Also, website, bryantlandcountry.com, bryantlandcountry.com. I say it every week, one-stop shopping for everything Bryantland. Merchandise, we got old podcasts, we got all the new podcasts, we got videos, we got everything, blog posts, everything that you need on the Bryantland page, bryantlandcountry.com. All right, that's going to be it for me. I'm going to go ahead and get ready to get up out of here. You guys stay safe, wash your hands, do all that other good stuff, and come back next week for another episode of The Bryant Land Show. Bryant Land.